When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Final score uh, on a pretty disappointing day at Celtic Park. It finished Celtic 1, Motherwell 1. And this is Tino with the Final Whistle Show. I'm joined here for this one by Joe. Joe, your initial thoughts today's, to today's result and performance? Very disappointing. Um, didn't really start the game well. I thought we were quite slow in the build-up. Just, I, I, I hate to say it, but when we've dropped points before, it's been a very similar performance. It just seems like they fail to get going. Um, but yeah, we had plenty of chances despite that, um, and I think it was a game that we obviously we should be expecting to win. It was just really disappointing, um, and yeah. boys let us down a bit. I feel there's a a tweet doing the rounds from Celtic first, someone I know pretty well, and he was saying that he had a message earlier on saying that he's heard. I was going to ask this question later, but I'm going to ask it now. He's saying he's heard that Callum McGregor's at fault, Joe Hart's at fault. It was Louis Palmer, it was Peter Lowell, it was the Green Brigade, it was Rod Stewart. Whose fault was it for you today? Um, well, I, I don't want to. I, I feel like I'm agreeing with him because it feels it was a collective. I don't think it's. You could you could really look at the goal and analyse it to great detail as to who's not at fault. I mean, I I was at the game, but I've only I caught a glimpse of it at the game, and I've seen the highlights since. And I mean, Joe Hart does come off his line, but really, who's marking the guy? You could go on all day and just try and ping. Like pinpoint everyone that could possibly be at fault. I just thought, I've thought the last few games that we've played and we've struggled in a game like that. I'm thinking back to like a Scott Brown type of player. Well, I don't think that really would have been allowed to happen. Now, I know I'm joining Cal McGregor here, obviously, with the obvious comparison, given it's your captain and all, but it just feels like there seems to be a lack of a real drive to get us over the line. I, I just feel like even when there's, I know we're creating chances near the end, but it's still very laid back. When it's, I know that's the type of team that we are that we like to sort of wear teams down and pass up, pass them out and look for spaces to open up. But it just doesn't feel like there's a real drive. I'm thinking back to Ange last year, where in, in scenarios like that, when we were, you felt confident we were going to get a winner because there was just such a determination. Obviously the though cliche goes of we never stop, but it does feel like that, that we, there isn't really that just now. Um, do, so. do you feel do you feel we're lacking a real scruff of the neck kind of leader, somebody to kind of drive you on? And I mean on and off the park, so that's not very generally speaking, a, a big fan of Callum McGregor. Um, but I think there is a, a question to be asked at this moment in time, and it's, it's something we've unfortunately had to revisit a couple of times this season, but he's not a, a real... I don't know, he, he, he's a different character from Brunet. I know he's quite vocal, but he doesn't have that same bite and that drive. And and I know there's other leaders, Carter Vickers is a leader, um, but he he's a kind of strong, silent type, isn't he? He's not, you know, a big, powerful uh, vocal character. Joe Hart is a leader as such, but he's way, you know, further back. And then even to talk about the sidelines, you had Ange's presence on the sidelines and Ange could go off on one when required. I'm a huge fan of Brendan Rodgers. I, I really think he's a, an extremely talented coach. 
but he's very passive on the sidelines, isn't he? He, he? You know, you can see that he's been supportive towards the players, but he's not really, you know, driving them on vocally, as as I've mentioned there. It's not really his thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Ange really had to do it. Even when we were in the scenarios last season, I don't ever really think Ange... I never really seen him on his touchline. I mean, there was one clip I remember. I think it was like Norton at home or something. And he was screaming. I remember famously screaming at Stephen Welsh. And that is like the first time I've ever really seen him let it rip. I think mm. I, I, you probably count in one hand the amount of times I've really seen him done it over his time at Celtic. But in Rodgers, the same. I, I, I sat really far away as well. So I don't really get a full idea. He probably could be shouting a lot. And we just, his body language maybe tells otherwise. But. On your Carl McGregor point, I think how I see a good leader in a Celtic team is that he's not only going to get the best out of himself, but he's going to get the best out of three or four guys and take them up in a few levels. Now, Carl McGregor in his own right is one of our best players. You take him out of the team, there's a noticeable difference that we don't play as well. And that's been the case ever since he really started coming into the team when Rodgers was here at first. I will stand by that and I'll stand by it when he's not playing well that Carl McGregor out of the Celtic team, we do not play as well. However, when Scott Brown was going through his phase of, he maybe was past his better days, maybe under Lennon's setting spell. I mean, I'm remembering the game when we played Hamilton Ackies, I think we won 2-1 yes. and Scott Brown scored in the last yeah. minute. Now, similar scenario, we took the lead fairly late in the game. They equalised fairly late. It was like three goals in the last 10 minutes, if you're lucky. Yeah. Scott Brown sort of stepped up then. And... I normally draw in one game, but there were so many games that during that spell with Scott Brown where it just it just seemed like losing or not winning was just completely unacceptable, especially yeah. at Central Park. So it's it's frustrating. I think it's hard to really pinpoint one reason as to why we're not playing well. That I think is definitely one of them. Um, but you know, it, it's a really really difficult one. Yeah, here's another question with regards to Callum McGregor. So he's obviously sitting. It's fairly deep line as a number six. You know, he's your kind of anchor, your kind of pivot in the midfield there. You know, use whatever modern football term you want to use. But is there a need for Callum McGregor to be so deep when you're, you know, you're up against a model team who have got, you know, the kind of, not not fully parking the bus, but certainly lying very deep themselves and barely coming at you. Do you need to do that? Or could you take the shackles off Callum McGregor and nudge him further forward and, you know, go, you go for an alternative there? Or do you know what? Bring in a water. Why is a water even here? Put a water there. Let him do that and, and let Callum McGregor because we know he can play further forward and he can influence the game. I just wonder. I, don't, I, just, I know he's got a great relationship with Brendan Rodgers. I'm just not convinced we're getting the best of him just now. And by virtue of that, he's not then getting the best of those around him. He listen. There's never anything less than 100 percent by Callum McGregor. He's he's all heart. He, you know, he puts it all out there. But I don't know. I've asked the question and, and people will continue to sh you know shoot us down, but. Should we freshen up, change it up? You know, we've got these this busy run of fixtures. This is the first game of 10 over 35 days for Celtic between now and the turn of the year. Should we look at something fresh in there? Because it looks very quickly like it's gone stale, Joe. I mean, I, to your Cal McGregor point of where he plays, I'm agreeing and disagreeing because I think really it depends who else is there. Um, now, if you'd asked me in a midfield three, which it has been in a lot of cases where Hattati been injured. Not today, but when it's been a McGregor or Riley Tumble scenario where, other than McGregor, and I mean, McGregor is not, he's, I think he has slowed down a bit in the last year or so, maybe noticeable more this season. We've not really got a lot of pace in midfield. 
Now, I think when Hattati plays, I think there's ever more the reason. I think McGregor should is probably more naturally inclined to sit deeper because we've got Hattati to maybe drive us a bit further forward. He's got a bit of pace. He can move the ball a bit quicker. I think today, I mean, home is just invisible. Now, I said this in the car and the way home, like, I don't understand why, as a central midfielder, that I mean, you think how many touches of the ball a centre midfielder gets during the game? That everything goes through Celtic's midfield, regardless who's playing. I mean, Holm probably touched the ball at least in that first half. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, honestly, it just didn't didn't get involved, and it's it's difficult. I think for McGregor, it just depends who he's playing with, and I would rather I'd like him to go forward, depending on who's beside him, because he's obviously that attacking threat. But I wouldn't do it at the expense of setting someone else deeper who arguably yeah. a bit more threat and go forward. Do you know the other thing? Just as you talk about Thiago Home there, the other thing is we've got this um, right now. There's a third position in the midfield up for grabs, and nobody seems willing to put their their head above the parapet and say I'm your man. Whether it's Bernardo, Thiago Home, David Turnbull, Awata, albeit he's not been given a genuine opportunity. Opportunity. Nobody's really saying while Real Hattati's out, I'm going to be your guy. So Brendan Rodgers is simply having to try something different every time. You could easily have seen Bernardo start the day or Turnbull and you wouldn't have been surprised because none of them are standing out as the, the go-to guy. So that's frustrating because if you're looking to get a bit of consistency and a bit of flow and a bit of a, a bit of a run at things just where you, you're not making that many changes, the midfield options aren't allowing for that. And the mad thing is we've got a, a wealth of midfielders but we can't find the right one. And that, that you know that's where Celtic are all over the back just now. I think Celtic's first 11, give or take, Pretty decent, but when you've got one or two injured or one or two off form, and listen, you've got key players today off form, you might want to look at Kyogo and Matt O'Reilly specifically in that in that case. When you've got one or two guys off it, we're just not there. And, and this harks back, doesn't it, to Brendan Rodgers' chat about, I've got plenty of bodies, I've got plenty of footballers in the building. I think he said he's got a 32-man squad, but in terms of quality, we're lacking. We need to add quality in various key positions, Joe, and, and January's all of a sudden become really important. Well, it's the same old, it's the same old scenario that's been thrown up before about these project signings. Now, I mean, there's another midfielder in the mixer that you've not even mentioned, Quan. Like, what is what? that guy? He's a whole midfielder now. Yeah. And that was he signed? Was he signed with the idea of all oh, it can give Cal McGregor an opportunity to go forward? I don't think he was ever really in the, signed with the intention of replacing Cal McGregor. So, I don't, I, I can. See in that sense, in that saying, to give Callum McGregor a chance to maybe push for a bit further forward, but that guy's just disappeared. Like what's what's happening with him? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I um, seen, a, I seen a picture of him in training. He's still, he's still, he's still with us. He's still at Lennox Town, or at least some of the time. I seen a picture of him training there on Thursday or Friday. He's around, but it's clear you've got to be reading between the lines that he's just not doing it. You know, and it, it looks like a watt is the same, but we've seen a watt. You know, playing minutes for Celtic, doing well. <clears throat> so we know for sure that he's got something. So that's why that's more of a mystery. But Quan, what a puzzle. I tell you what, Joe, we'll bring it back to some of the, the match action because obviously there's, there's bigger picture stuff at play and I suppose it's easy and natural on the, the back of a, a poor result like today to start, you know, picking the bones of the bigger picture. I suppose over the piece, Celtic, uh, what is it now, 11 wins out of 14 games. So 11 wins and three draws, still unbeaten the league. It's no disaster by any stretch. We're still in a very decent position. The frustration is it just it could have been a whole lot better if not for the drop points today and against St. Johnson at home, a very similar afternoon. Anyway, um, 
in terms of you know today matching up against Motherwell, we know what Motherwell were going to bring. You know, they I think they'd lost seven and drawn two of their last nine. They were hardly going to come and have a go at it. You know, that'd have been madness if Kettlewell had decided. So they're, they're sitting in so deep, but across the first, I mean, no great highlights across the first half, truth be told, but across the first half into the second, for a long time, it just felt like it was going to be one of those days, didn't it? It did. Um, and you're saying about not a lot of highlights. I mean, there was so much potential for there to be highlights. Now, when I say that, we were getting in good areas. It, there's times, it, I mean, I, I suppose it's sometimes a really bad byproduct of how Rogers wants his team to play that we're taking two or three touches in like the middle and 18 yard box where I'm thinking, is somebody just going to just blast it? Just have a go. Just have a, just have a go and see what happens. Um, now, Easy for me to say that, but when I think Rogers' plan, oh, it clearly has worked in the past, but with a team that, like Mullerwa, as you say, who were just wanting to play the nastiest, most horrible way possible, I mean, it's the most I've ever seen a goalkeeper time waste and not get booked for the day for a start. Like, yeah. it was, that's the way that we're always going to play. They were a bit like that at Fur Park as well. We knew what we were going to expect, um, and it was just, I, I just seen it coming far enough. As you say, it was just yeah. it was a match time before we were in panic mode. Yeah, Liam Kelly's got that in his locker, and you know what? Annoying as it is, and it's really annoying, by the way. Um, it's what you'd want your goal to do if you were Muddle. Yeah. A couple of dodgy ones that you've seen, whether at the game or or in the highlights. The one where he's he's ended up overrunning it out, out the left hand side of his box, and he then drops it and then brings it back in the box and packs it up again. Give something, ref. Whether it's handball outside the box or pack it up again when you're not allowed to, just give us some. Give, give us whatever version you want of it. So for for top level officials to continuously just not apply or, or potentially understand the, the rules is beyond me. But listen, it would be really cheap to make that the excuse and, and things like that for us not winning because we've got a couple of penalties, we've had our opportunities, big big headed chance for Yang. You know, late on, oh had a decent chance as well from a header where Yang kind of collided with him. Um, I mean, let, let, let's run through some of the second half. Obviously, a busy old second half, and you've got the ten minutes or so of extra or injury time. Sorry, that's played. But uh, the biggest talking point, I suppose, is the the first penalty. It's it's Louis Palmer that takes it. Sixty six minutes in. I don't think, first of all, there's any doubt it was a penalty. Mugabe's been very clumsy, and that 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 in itself is not a, one for debate, is it? No, not at all. So I goes through the back of him, reckless. Stonewaller for me. Yeah, no problem with that. So we thought we'd found our penalty taker after Palmer hit one against Aberdeen, wasn't it? Really nice, clean execution. He takes a similar run-up, but then he does the stutter thing before he hits the ball. This kills me. I just don't get it. He's such a clean striker of the ball, such a technician. Why do that? Let's just make a clean contact, pick a side and tuck it away. And we're back to... David Turnbull's a penalty taker when he's on, but that's obviously a big question mark. We're now back to... Who's the penalty taker now? Who's next? Who, won, who wants a turn? I know. Uh, see, see what I think about run-ups, though? Now, there's two, there's two separate points. First of all, see if you are wanting to take a penalty. See if in any game. I, I know there's plans in the background of, you know, a pecking order of who's going to take a penalty. I genuinely think if you are having a bad game, you should not take a penalty. Lewis Powell was not having a great game. He wasn't getting a lot of space. He wasn't wasn't really making things happen like he has done in the last few weeks. His final ball maybe wasn't as good as it was. All comes down to movement, I suppose. It's a two-way street. But I, I just don't agree with the sentiment of 
he takes penalties, he should take the penalty in the game. Because if he's having a stinker, yeah. Like I've seen it in the past. Jackie Marcus, I remember against I think it was Livingston at home. Yeah. And he hit the post. And it was it, it was absolutely dire, but because he's the penalty taker, he was the one that's to take it. Like, I just yeah. don't agree with that. I, I can I can see merit in your argument there. Obviously, it's pre planned and it'll be if Louis Palmer's in the pitch, he'll take it. And if he's not, Dave Turnbull will take it. And then it would fall to, I don't know, McGregor, whoever. But you're right, if you know, I, I also like the the situation at times where if somebody says, give me, a, I'm confident, give me that ball, I'm taking that, I'm feeling good about myself. The, the argument back on that today is maybe nobody was feeling great 66 minutes into that drab affair. You know, nobody thought, I'm having a, a really decent game here. I'm, I'm going to tuck this one away. So I was happy enough that Palmer was taking it because I thought, he's one for one. He hits him for his country. Let's see, it will be good to go here and this will just relax us and we'll coast to a 2-0 victory. And he misses it, and it's so frustrating. I'll dig out the stats at some point, but Celtic's conversion from penalties is pretty poor. We get enough of them, and, and that's by virtue of spending enough time in the final third and in the opposition's box. But it's a gift-wrapped opportunity to go and get something out of a game or take a lead or whatever, and we continue to give it away. And it's going to come back to bite us at some point, and, and today's kind of as good an example as any. I know there's a lot that's going on after it, but it, it cannot continue. Well, see, what I also don't agree with is when someone misses, it's all, it seems to be a case of, oh, do you know what? They're not taking a penalty ever again. We're just yeah. going to find somebody else. Now, yeah. I, I hate, 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 but I'm going to have to use this example, but I'm going to use this example of the other team in Glasgow have the same penalty taker, whether they misses, whether they scores, same penalty taker every week. Now, I'm looking at every guy that's took a penalty for us in the last, like, I mean, up until the start of this season. You've mm-hmm. had Hattati scores. No, it wasn't a great penalty. He scored against yeah. Livingston away from home. It was a rubbish yeah. penalty. Took the next one and missed it. I think Callum McGregor missed a penalty somewhere in between all of Callum that. McGregor. When? But before I that... Said, I thought you said Alan, Alan McGregor. Callum McGregor. Callum McGregor. So yeah. Callum McGregor used to take penalties for us fairly regularly when it was yeah. sort of... Lennon, uh, Ange, before that, like, I don't understand. I think all it took for was him to miss one penalty. I think it was a way, it was a way to Livingston, funnily enough, last year. And that was yeah. him booted off the penalties. Why did we change it? Just if he it trust him to do it again. I agree with that wholeheartedly, to be honest with you. Find out your best penalty taker and he's your man regardless. You're right, you talk about Callum McGregor's penalties, Kyogo, Hitati, Turnbull, Lewis Palmer, Jack Amakis. Juranovic, these are all in the last couple of seasons we've had so many different takers. Maybe therein lies the problem. I get your example from the other side of the city. Listen, he gets a lot of practice at them. He gets plenty to hit. He should be good at them. Uh, ridiculous number that he gets to take. But do you know what? There's maybe a lesson there. Um, as much as I wouldn't want to give too much credit there. Celtic as should just that, pick your technician. As you say that though, I mean, as much as it's well known that they get a lot of practice when it comes to penalties, we get a lot of penalties. I mean, we've lasted in the last, in the start of that season, you could, I mean, the fact that we're having this argument alone about five or six penalty takers we've tried and tested, I mean, why why do we need to change? We just, just stick to the same one. And if he misses two in a row, then you're maybe saying a different argument. Yeah. But all it takes for somebody to make a great save and then it's a mass penalty, you know? Yeah. Do you know what? Louis Palmer's going to be on the pitch more often than not for Celtic. Why not just stick with him? Just say he's a taker for the foreseeable future. Listen, we'll move on from it. Plenty still to cover. Um, just on the penalty, I mean, 
bad bad couple of minutes for Palma. He misses a penalty. Two minutes later, he's he's taken off. Uh, him and Kyogo leave the, the field and it's David Turnbull and Mikey Johnson that come in. I don't have the time or energy for the Mikey Johnson debate just now. You know my feelings. Anyone that listens to what we do, Joe, knows my feelings. Um, I just think he gets less patience than anybody else on the pitch, regardless what he's doing. He came on and tried to make things happen. Some things worked, some things didn't. He ultimately wins the penalty. But there's a tension in the air at Celtic Park when Mikey Johnson gets the ball. And I just think, I think fans, by and large, have given up on him. And I wonder if there's... A long, it's a long way back when that's the case. I'm, I'm so keen for it to succeed, but we don't have time to debate it just now. Um, but he played his part. He wins a penalty, and it is a penalty. Um, there's a pull there. We've seen some of the stuff that Rangers have got penalties for recently. So if they're getting Conor Goldson against somebody, Hearts, uh, yeah. Peter Haring and Hearts, if you're getting penalties for that kind of contact or that kind of shirt pull, then there's is a penalty today. Um, I think bigger picture that it shouldn't be a penalty. There's not enough in it, but in the modern game it is, so we get it. And you've got to admire David Turnbull. There's a bit of time required. There's a, a VAR delay. There's all the stuff that goes on. There's a nonsense of Liam Kelly and uh, various players trying to, Mugabe, try to like get onto the penalty spot. You'll have maybe seen that. Tony Ralston was protecting the penalty spot because this is a modern thing. Guys go and scuff it and dig their studs into the turf to try and make it you know, a, a poorer contact or whatever. Anyway, you know, come the time to take it. David Turnbull's tucked away, and I thought it was a real brave penalty. It's gone right into the side netting. He, he, he's wrong-footed, Kelly Kelly's not actually even moved for it. And you can say what you want about David Turnbull, and listen, I'm not even sure if he'll be here this time next year. The clock's running down for him uh, in terms of his current contract, but he's a proper striker of the ball, and he doesn't let you down when it comes to penalties if he's on the park. Yeah, I mean, on the, on the penalty incident itself, what I would absolutely commend Mikey Johnson for is his reaction to what happened to the penalty. Now, I'm not saying that we all Celtic turn into full-on Mourinho style where there's nine guys surrounding the ref and every time somebody gets fouled, but from where I was sitting, I actually didn't know what he was making that song and dance about. He was the only one that was claiming for it. Now, I don't think if he made, didn't make that much of a fuss out of that decision, they wouldn't have had a look. But I, I genuinely don't. I think it would have been yeah. a contentious one that you'd have been you know, it would have been enough butts and maybe if it was going to go run back in sports scene if that. I thought it done really well to make a fuss out of it. Yeah, and you know, such as the lack of transparency around VAR just now, you just don't know. You wonder if Mikey Johnson makes such a, a, a noise about it that Stephen McLean says, you better check this, guys, because he, he, he seems adamant. You know, you wonder if the check wasn't going to happen had Mikey Johnson not kicked up a fuss. But anyhow, it's came about. And you're right, Celtic potentially doing it. You get more streetwise. He's certainly doing Europe. You know, domestically, more often than not, we get the right result. But in Europe, as Atletico Madrid showed, sometimes you need to employ some of the dark arts. It's just the way football is. So you can be you can be the nice guy and, and you know, have the, the glorious failure and the, the nearly mibbies and all that stuff. Sometimes you need to do some of the the more streetwise things in football to try and get a result. But anyway, that's that's where we, we find ourselves in the modern game. Anyway, so penalty converted, you're thinking, right, what a slog of a day. But 86 minutes in, we're good to go here. We knew there was going to be, you know, injury time given the way the, the half had gone. But you think at that point they Celtic are going to do enough to see it out. I'm really annoyed at the goal for a couple of reasons. The first one, though, for me is just how cheaply we gave away the corner. It's a nothing ball for Motherwell, barely attacking all half. They put one up the park from Liam Kelly. Ralston misses his header. I'm not sure if then Scales kind of struggles to on one. And Callum McGregor comes across a wee bit panicky for me and just kind of bumps it out for a corner with his right foot. 
And I get the whole thing about listen, let's just clear the, the danger and regroup. There was a bit of composure required, I think, to try and work that one out. We haven't. And then the corner, where do you, I'm, I'll put it over to you, you, Joe. Where do you start with the corner? Joe Hart and Greg Taylor have both got to do so much better for me. I mean, firstly, you can put it down to the zone and the man marking. It's an age-old argument about what's best to do. And I know your armchair supporters will have some sort of an opinion. They say, oh, why is the big guys no matter the big guys? And, you know, why have we not got something in the back post? Like, I don't always think it's as simple as that. But when you've got Greg Taylor, or I can't remember, but one of the smaller guys in our team was marking one of their absolute like massive strikers that come on, then something just doesn't add up for me. Now, Joe Hart coming wildly off his line as well at one point, which was just bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> he done it early on in the first half. I don't know if it was all this excess energy that he had because the game was happening on the other side of the park. I don't know if that just came over him. I've no idea, but it was just wild. And that way, I was watching it in slow motion, just falling, and I was like, "Oh no!" Like it's just horrible to watch. Yeah. When when it comes to marking at corners, I'm always all for man for man marking because you know what? See, when you do that, there's there's no place to hide and there's no excuses. You deal with your man, and if he scores, you're at fault or he's out muscled you or whatever it happens. And sometimes you get a guy. He's a great header of the ball and he happens to beat you to it and that's fine. The zonal marking allows people to turn around and point the finger of blame and question everyone else. And it's, well, it wasn't my fault. Where were you and why were you not covering the front bit? But the, yeah, I mean, the situation has ended up with Greg Taylor. Greg Taylor's not a big guy. I think Greg Taylor's, I don't know, 5'8", five, 5'7", five, I don't know. And he's ended up on John Obika, who's a, just a big powerhouse. And he's come off the bench with the intention of potentially just trying to get on the end of a set piece. But if you watch Greg Taylor... Listen, it's a mismatch, right? I get that. He's actually on his knees by the time the guy scores. And listen, he doesn't properly header and he shoulders it. And Greg Taylor is on his knees. And I've long since... Greg Taylor can't do anything about his size in terms of height. And he can work on his physicality. And, you know, he can hit the gym and stuff like that. But he's never going to be John Obika, for example. But he he goes goes to ground so cheaply. It, it just makes... It, it crumbles. It just, it just goes to ground. He's got, he's got an arm around it. It's like he's trying to grab on for dear life. The guy Abika just holds himself, tries to get something to help it on, and it trundles into the net. And maybe this has been unfair on Greg Taylor, you know, and it's easy and maybe it's lazy to blame Greg Taylor because there's a lot more at play. He's played his part there. But the other bit for me is that Joe Hart is a big, powerful guy, and he's got these two big anchors at the end that he can use, two big arms that nobody else is allowed to use in the box. Why is he not coming out and just dominating there? It wasn't like it was penalty spot. It was around about the six-yard line, wasn't it? And I just think he needs to come out and clatter it, you know, get a fist on it or even just catch it and just run the clock, you know, just calm it all down, move us on. And you see that game out. If you deal with that corner, I think you see that game out. And it's that whole thing where in football, teams are the most vulnerable. As soon as they score a goal, Celtic just showed you all over again today why that happens. Yeah, and I think, especially with Joe Hart as well, I think if you're a keeper in that scenario, at the very, very least, either go all in or all out. Either stand in your line, very, play very safe, trust the, your defence in front of you, you win your battles, or if you're committing yourself, you're committing yourself. You don't go halfway and then just stick your arms out and get yeah, a shot. You just go all out, go all out, clatter the ball, go for the ball. If you, I watched the Man City game earlier on where Alisson gets fouled when it was, I think it was a set piece or it was a corner, but Alisson gets 
very little contact and goes to the ground. Nine times out of ten, if a goalie ends up on the ground and there's any contact, you want to foul. Now, that's just game management and that's playing yeah. smart. It's, it's one of these, um, one of what it seems to be many bugbears of mine actually about the modern game. It's the protection that goalkeepers get. But see if that's the case and you're getting that protection, go and take advantage. Go and come out, get a bit of contact with a striker. Oh, ref, you know, what's going on here? Take the foul. Because Liam Kelly got one late in, late in the day as well. We're trying to chase the game in the last five and there was very little contact for one and it's a, a goalkeeper free kick. There's not really much to dwell on during the last 10 minutes. Obviously, 10 minutes to get back in it, but we fairly do so. So Abika's 90th minute goal turns out to be the, the equaliser overall. Um, one thing I do want to... Well, two things I want to talk about. One is Marco Tillio. So a guy we never expected to see, and then all of a sudden he's he's playing for Australia 23s during the break, and then he comes on. I'm not sure that was the right environment for him, to be honest with you. You're basically saying... What minute he came on in the ninety fourth minute of of hundred minutes and it's like, right, go and go and win this game for us and if and if you don't, well, you're a bit of a failure. And he tried to make things happen. Joe, I've, I've no doubt about that. You know, he looked he looked he looked lively enough and he looked like he may have something. But that's a real tall order to just throw him on there at the at the right hand side and, and expect magic, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think in fairness to Rogers, obviously in fairness, I think he should have come off a lot earlier. But Yang did pull yeah. up. So I think that was the reason that Tilio came on in the first place, but I don't think Yang should have, in another matter, I don't think Yang should have lasted as long. But with Tilio, you know, the guy's, the guy's been freed at long last. Um, and he's, I can see what he's all about in some way. Um, I, I can see there's obviously a bit of ability about him. There's obviously something a bit X-factor-ish about him. He's got a bit of a change of pace. You know, and I think at that moment in time when you're making your debut, adrenaline is going to be way higher than it maybe would be if he was asked to come on in that same scenario in six weeks' time. So, yeah, it's a crazy time to come on. You're asking a lot of them to say, by the way, go and win this game, even though you've not really played senior football for six months. It's it's a big ask. But yeah. ultimately, he did change the game in a sense. He had a bit of a burst of pace. When Motherwell looked, well, going to start to get dead in their feet at that moment in time, you know, it was a gamble, but it's yeah. a gamble that doesn't always pay off. Yeah, and I, I do wonder, Yang wasn't having a great game, was he? Um, I understand that Rogers is potentially looking ahead to Tuesday and thinking, right, well, Louis Palmer's not playing on Tuesday, maybe I'll try and get a 90 minutes out of different guys. I'm not sure. I'm, I, I'm not sure in general about the subs today. I really am, you know, just, but maybe that's a nod back to the board to say, that's just what I've got to work with right now. I'm needing to bring on Tilio, who's not ready. Mikey Johnson, who's out the picture. Yang, who's... You know what? Yang has, has exposed the signing policy in his last two games. Brilliant against Aberdeen. Very average today. And that's what you're going to get from a £2 million winger who's just not ready. Listen, Yang could play on Tuesday night and have a great game. He could play again next weekend and have a terrible game. That's what you'll get. You'll get inconsistency until he develops further as a footballer. And you can apply that to Thiago Holm to Bernardo and to various other new signings. I just want to touch on one final point. It's, it's kind of going back the way a wee bit, but it's about Kyogo. So one of our regular listeners and, and a fellow who you know, tweets his back and forth, a guy, Stephen Daly, he asked a very valid question and, and he's, he's keen to point out that it's not an easy reaction to today, but it's about the impact that Kyogo's having within this Brendan Rodgers system. He doesn't seem to be the player that, he, that we've seen over the last couple of years under Ange. He's certainly not as effective at the moment. He had a decent start to the season, didn't he? But the goal against Aberdeen that he scored, it's the only goal he scored in his last six Celtic performances. And we're not quite getting to the byline in the same way 
you know, that we maybe did under Ange, but we've seen with this thing where our wingers are cutting inside a lot. Louis Palmer comes in from the left on his right foot. Yang at this moment in time comes in for the right on his left foot. And their deliveries, they're not the ones, Kyogo's great at the one-touch finish, just getting on the end of things and, you know, dinking things at the front post. I just don't think we're playing to his strength at this moment in time. And, you know, we've got a thing in the past where, you know, that Rodgers liked a powerful striker, whether it was Dembele or, or Edward to an extent. What do you think about it? Do you think we're struggling to see the best out of Kyogo or is it just a, a case of he's maybe just a wee bit out of form? I mean, he's only as good as the service he gets, isn't he? I mean, it's I, I think it can be unfair to compare a Kyogo of last year to Kyogo of now because it's clear that they're asked, they're, he's been asked to play in two completely different roles. Now, I'll, what, one thing I always remember Rodgers, and this is from watching interviews, ex-players from whatever, that one thing I always comes back to is Lee Griffiths and had the conversation with Rodgers when he came in in his first spell and I think Lee Griffiths was just off the back of a 40 goal season under Ronnie Dyla. Now there was a handful of others who scored maybe approaching 5-10 to 10 goals in that season because Lee Griffiths scored the bulk of them. I am convinced that he said to Kyogo I want you to essentially score less because it wants more goals balanced throughout the team. Now, not to say that we weren't scoring many without Kyogo last year, because we were we were blowing teams away, whether it was Moy, whether it was McGregor, but Mary Lillard scored two goals last season, I think, yeah. in the league, as far as I know. And mm-hmm. there comes a point where I can see that Rodgers is just trying to get a bit more of a balance throughout his team. Now, that could be as a result of how Kyogo's playing, that he's maybe dropping, he's dropping a bit deeper, clearly. Mm-hmm. But... Ultimately, I think the way any team should set up is find a way to get the best out of your best players. And Kyogo is 100% the best when you're playing off your playing off a centre-half, getting him in behind and getting him in a one-on-one. And yeah. that point is the best in the league. C- cannot argue with that sentiment. You know, it's simple, isn't it? But get, play, your, play your best players in their best position and you'll get the best out of them. And I agree. I, I don't think you're quite meaning that Rogers wants Kyogo to score less per se, but I think he wants more goals from different areas. He wants his two wide men to be coming in at the back post and scoring. He wants Matt O'Reilly to arrive late in the box and score. He'll want Callum McGregor to chip in with a few, all this kind of thing. And it's a more kind of balanced and rounded uh, approach he takes. I just want my striker to bang in goals and I, I couldn't care less if nobody else scored, I've got to be honest with you. So, no, it's, it's a great point from Stephen and it's, it's a valid one to pick up on and I mean, the way it's going, Joe, I think you and I could go on for a couple of hours here looking at the various situations, not just from today, but today highlights a lot for Celtic and we've not even got time to get into the Green Brigade stuff. We'll catch it all in the weekly show. They were obviously doing their thing pre-match to welcome the team at the park. And I mean, any small comments, any short comments on the atmosphere within the ground? Um, I mean, the last few weeks, I've, as much as it's well documented, the problems that it can cause and... I, there is such a difference when they're not there. There's a real... I mean, you heard the drum and it was some other fans. Now, I, when I'm going to Celtic Park, I should not hear the tiny minority of Motherwell fans singing. And now, yeah. whether that's a case of us Celtic fans that don't really sing as much or don't bang the drum should be stepping up our game a bit, possibly. You could you yeah. could really argue that. But they, I do think they bring such a difference to the atmosphere. Yeah. And, it is reflective sometimes on the team, and I think people can draw back to that. Um, so, I don't know. It's a bit of a negative undertone for me, and I don't really like the way it is just now. 
No, it's festering around. It's it's not doing anybody any good, and it's it's a divisive one across the board. And it, it doesn't look like there's a solution anytime soon. It really doesn't. I mean, the only answer I can think of for the time being is that you need to go and get yourself a drum joe and bring it in next time we're at home and give it a couple of bangs, and we'll see what happens. But um, as we start to wrap up, let's let's just look at the bigger picture. We're now nine points clear, but Rangers have obviously got those two games in hand, so could theoretically. Uh, reduce the gap to three points. They've got a tough old game there at Pataudry tomorrow and, and we'll see how that plays out. But I suppose the frustration is that we're, we're dropping cheap points and and what was a very healthy lead has all of a sudden, you know, been cut fairly notably. But Joe, your final thoughts for this one? Um, disappointing day all round. Um, I felt a bit of deja vu when times when we've not won games it felt like the same sort of type of performance. Um it's going to throw more questions and answers in terms of who we've signed and how good they are and strategy going forward of how we can get better. Um, but yeah, just fingers crossed that we pick up again on Tuesday. Really hard game, but you know, I've seen crazier things happen than us getting three points in Rome. Yeah, definitely. It's not the return uh, from international football that we wanted, but it is what it is. And as you say, Joe, there's a huge game coming up on Tuesday night and it's one that we'll, we'll all be looking forward to. It's an early kickoff, remember, folks. So quarter to six, I think, for that one. Uh, we'll be back, as always, on Monday night with the weekly show where we'll cover a number of the, the big topics uh, from the, the result against Motherwell, as well as various other bits and bobs. But in the meantime, my thanks to Joe for joining me tonight. Thanks, as always, to you for listening. Enjoy the rest of the weekend, if you can, and we'll see you Monday night. Podcast Network.